It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for a very special Victory Monday podcast. That's right, your Let's Ride podcast every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and every time we come on the air, every time that I'm with you, the listener, after a game and the Steelers win, it's special. It is very special. The Steelers, my goodness, the Steelers, the team that was 1-3, and three, dead in the water, Three in a row losses. Oh my gosh, that week one win against Buffalo and Buffalo felt like it was eons ago. They find a way to come back. They win two in a row going into the bye week, but we all knew that this test coming up in Cleveland against the Browns had so much significance, so much on the line, not for postseason play, but in terms of jockeying for position. This meant the world, and the Steelers find a way to win 15-10. There is a lot to unwrap in this game, both from a divisional standpoint, both from the Steelers' performance. You know how we do it the day after a game. We do the winners and losers segment. That's always going to be a segment on these Monday podcasts. And so we're going to get into it. Before we get into that, I want to make sure we talk about BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It is a... Constant change. It's it's literally like its own machine. It just kind of just keeps churning out content. You got to check it out. If you've never checked out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and you enjoy reading about the Steelers, it's funny. And my wife has been around me long enough and I've been uh, in charge of this website long enough that if she meets someone that is a Steelers fan, she then knows the exact dialogue that I go into when I do the same. 
and she'll say, maybe she'll see someone, like she's helping coach my daughter's volleyball team. And um, if someone comes in wearing a Steelers sweatshirt to pick up their daughter, she'll say, oh, you like the Steelers? Do you read about the team? That's exactly what she says. And if they say, yeah, I do. I like to read about the Steelers. Oh, you should check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. My, my husband runs the website. And so if you if you do enjoy reading about it, man, forget ESPN. That, that's awful. Check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and also wherever you get your podcasts in case you just stumbled upon this in an article Make sure you go to our podcast platform, wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing because we have a lot of great content coming up and you don't want to miss it. All right, so like I said, huge win, an absolutely huge win. And let's just talk about the division first. Let's just talk about you know the Steelers win that moves their record to four and three. That's tremendous when you think about where they were. And then you also see the fact that they now leapfrog the Cleveland Browns. So they're out of the basement. It's been a while, but they're out of the basement. The, the Ravens were on a bye week, so they stay at 5-2. and two. And everyone looked at the Jets in, in Cincinnati and thought, well, this is a gimme. This is a gimme. The Bengals are red hot, but somehow, someway, the, the New York Jets, I did not get to watch much of this game. I saw the way it ended with the Mike Hilton penalty. I didn't like that. thought it was very ticky-tacky. Um, but nonetheless, the Jets win that game at home, and that puts the Cincinnati Bengals at 5-3. and three. Folks, this is getting serious when it comes to the AFC North football. I mean, when you think about, I mean, they, they lost to the Jets. It's not a divisional game, but that's a conference opponent. That does matter when it comes to tiebreakers. And so now you're looking at the Steelers. They're 1-1 one one in the division, 4-3. and three. Their next two games are going to be at, I'm sorry, Monday Night Football at home versus the Chicago Bears in Week 9, and then the Detroit Lions, who have not won a football game, come to Heinz Field in Week 10. And then it's Week 11, they have to go across country to play the Los Angeles Chargers. Next week, next week, (laughs) the, the Bengals play the Browns. Folks, this division could get turned on its head before you know it. And that's something that I was thinking about when I was doing the podcast with Michael Beck, one Mr. Blue Check Beck, you know, um, on Friday, we were talking about the significance of this game. And everyone just kind of said, well, the, the, the season's on the line. Win or lose, the season was never over. Ten games left. My goodness, you have a lot of football left to play. A lot of things can happen. Injuries can happen. Losses like the Bengals losing to the Jets when no one expected them to. Those can all happen. So the AFC North, the Steelers are big-time players right now as we sit here heading into Week 9. Everyone should be extremely happy about that. They have... A lot of divisional play still remaining. They still have to play the Bengals again. They'll have another game against the Browns. Two left with the Ravens. Those games are going to carry more significance as the AFC North becomes closer together without one team kind of running away with it. So, huge win for the Steelers. I do want to talk about something, though. It was a huge win, like I just said, and we all know this. If you watch the game, boy, was it strange, though. You know, my dad was golfing. He kind of, he recorded it. So he was watching it late. My brother was out doing stuff. He recorded it late. So I wasn't texting them. And all of a sudden they they texted me when they got to watch the game. And they said, what'd you think? I said, boy, what a strange game. I mean, it was just odd. It was odd from the fake field goal. We'll talk about that. Chris Boswell's injuries in the concussion protocol now. Um, Hopefully, fingers crossed, he can clear that and be ready to go for the Week 9 game against Chicago. But still, it was just a strange game because when you lose your kicker, everything gets thrown out the window. 
You know, you think about those possessions. Think about the end of the first half. Steelers get the ball back. I think it was 32 seconds. They had two timeouts remaining. It, typically, that's a, that's a chance for Ben Roethlisberger to try to get in field goal range. You don't have a kicker. You don't have a kicker. You score a touchdown. You're thinking, okay, chip shot. Or you know, you have you don't have a kicker. Boy, was it a weird game. It was exciting. I'm going to be completely honest with you out there. I haven't been this excited watching the Steelers in a really long time. And I'm not sure why. Uh, and even the win against Buffalo, it was great. But I don't, maybe it's just the division. And maybe it's just the Browns. Maybe it's the fact that I can't stand that Miles Garrett showed up in a stupid Halloween costume wearing a cape or whatever the heck it's called with every single quarterback's name that he sacked. I don't know what it was. It was childish to me. And it showed me that these Browns are showing up and they're not taking this game very serious. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna show up in a costume, I know it's Halloween and stuff, but give me a break, man. Baker Mayfield's on the sideline and he's running on the field throwing the ball. Oh my gosh, I can't stand this team. It was like a Ravens game when it came to my intensity watching it. You know, the Bengals don't they don't bring this out in me. They just don't. Never have, not since Ocho Cinco, Vontez Burfick, those eras, Carson Palmer. TJ Hushmanzada, and then you obviously had Pac-Man Jones, Vontez Perfect, um, Andy Dalton, and, and that crew. But still, this game was intense, and I enjoyed every second of it. But the one thing that I'm thinking about after the game, so I, you know, I'm trick-or-treating with my kids. We're walking around neighborhoods, and they're having a blast, and they're running up and getting candy. And if you're a parent and you're out there, you know what it's like. You go to a house, the light's on, can we go up? Yes, go have fun. The kids run up and you stand there and you wait and then they come back. So the fact that I have five children and they're all going trick-or-treating, my wife and I are kind of merging together at occasion, but most of the time we're, we have two, we have three, you have that one, you have that one. Okay, good, we're good, we're good. It's managing a basketball team. And so I'm standing there and thinking to myself about all the criticisms that have been said about the Steelers so far this season. All the criticisms. And I, I chalked it down to five. Five main criticisms of the Steelers. You're talking about a criticism of the offensive line just in general. Not being able to do anything well. They can't run block. They can't pass block. They can't do anything. Stupid penalties, etc. The offensive line has been a major criticism. Tackling, while not been a season-long criticism, has definitely been a trend, especially going into the bye week. The last time we saw this defense, they were missing tackles like it was their job against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. Tackling has been a criticism. Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger, BTR as we call him on the preview, the Steelers preview podcast with myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis. BTR, Ben, Big Ben has been a, he's been heavily criticized. Absolutely. The coaching, the coaching from Mike Tomlin on down to Matt Canada to Keith Butler, and some even want to go all the way down to Adrian Clem on the offensive line or specific coaches that coach you know, a position group of some kind. Coaching has been criticized heavily this season. And lastly, the running game, just the running game in general. The fans were, were sick of last season finishing dead last in yards per carry and yards per game. And so all of a sudden you hear Art Rooney II, you hear Mike Tomlin, you hear Kevin Colbert, you hear everyone and their brother, uh, Matt Canada. They're all, they're all saying it. We are going to commit ourselves to running the football better and we're going to make sure that we do this. They draft Najee Harris in the first round, but they seem to neglect the offensive line. You could just bring that full circle back to the first one I said in the fact that it's the offensive line. So 
when I think about this game and I'm standing there, trick or, the kids are trick or treating, and I'm watching, I'm thinking, I said, okay, okay, offensive line. Boy, that was not a criticism in week eight in Cleveland. That offensive line did a tremendous job. A tremendous job. Only surrendering, giving up two sacks. Two sacks. Now, Zach Banner was not a part of the equation. He was not a part of the equation. Zach Banner, we'll talk about him on Wednesday, but Zach Banner, my goodness. I mean, inactive for the game. They went with what they've been working with so far. You got Chooks on the right, Dan Moore on the left. Dan Moore was on an island, by the way, on several occasions, folks. More often than I thought he would be. And he stood tall. He got beat, but my gosh, it's a fourth-round rookie against Miles Garrett. What do you expect? I hate Miles Garrett. He's a giant turd. But he's a really good football player, too. Keep that in mind. Nonetheless, the offensive line did their job. They ran the ball well, got tremendous tremendous push. I'll go out and say that this was their best game of the season so far. Was it perfect? No, it never is. Never will be. But it was really, really good. Borderline great against a really good, a really good Cleveland Browns defense. I mean, when you think about the Cleveland Browns defensive rankings, yards per game, second in the NFL, against the pass, seventh in the NFL, rushing defense, second in the NFL, points was 18th, but still, that's a good defense. That's a really good defense. Offensive line did the job. The tackling, yeah, there, there were a couple missed tackles, but at the same time, I thought it was vastly improved vastly improved they wrapped up Nick Chubb brought him to the ground tackles for losses were a trend that was a great sign for me to watch the defense go out and tackle the way that they did against Cleveland Ben Roethlisberger I don't know what else you could ask for from Ben in this stage of his career with the line that he has and the weapons he's throwing to I thought he was efficient he made plays when he had to and it changed when when Boswell got hurt everything changed and I thought I asked this question on Friday, and I, I want, I'll talk about Ben a little bit more in the winners and losers segment in the second half. But I said, "Are we ever going to see Big Ben again?" You know, not just, we know Ben's the quarterback. But are we ever going to see Big Ben again? I think we did on Sunday. The coaching, and yeah, you can criticize Mike Tomlin all you want for that fake field goal, and you have every right. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Some say, "Hey, I don't mind it." Some say they hate it. Okay, it didn't work. It got the kicker hurt. No one ever thought that was going to happen when they drew up that play. But the coaching, especially on that offensive line, boy, has it been amazing. They are getting some young players really geared up and playing at a high level. You're talking about all those rookies. Dan Moore. Kendrick Green is playing better. I know he got called for a hold, but a couple holds actually, but he's playing better. Watch him. Watch the center. He's playing better. But then also Pat Fryermuth is coming in and, and being a good player. Najee Harris looks like a seasoned veteran. My goodness. My goodness, he's tremendous. But the coaching has been phenomenal. I thought it, I think it's been phenomenal, especially in this game. You give this group, this coaching staff, an extra week or so to prepare, you see what happens. Look at Buffalo in week one. Look at Cleveland in week eight, coming off the bye. And lastly, the running game. Running game has improved. The running game has improved. The Pittsburgh Steelers running game, we'll talk about it again in winners and losers, but it's improved. So here we have... All these criticisms of the Steelers, and if you were doing a to-do list, a checking the box, whatever you want to call it, offensive line, they did great. Tackling, vastly improved. Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger looked great. Coaching continues to be a strength of this team and this organization, in my opinion. And the running game is getting better every single week. Every single week. And yet, with all these things happening that are positive for the Steelers, 
all these things, why in the world are the fans of the team not ecstatic to see these changes? This is honestly one of the the strangest phenomenons that I have experienced since I took over the website behind the steel curtain, and I don't understand it. I understand that fans are fans, and I understand that fans are emotional, and I understand that fans have high expectations. But even in a game where all of those criticisms that I just mentioned were answered on the field, they're still not happy. They're still not happy for whatever reason. They're not happy. You're not happy with a win, a huge road win, a huge divisional road win. Who cares what the final score is? You win by one, you win by 100. You win the game. You've won three in a row. You're above 500 for the first time since week one. And some fans are still complaining and moaning about something. For those people... Well, I feel bad for you. I really do, because the Steelers, on this day, they gave you something to root for. They gave you something to be happy about. And if you're choosing to look at nothing but and nitpicking the win, oh, but this, oh, but that, come on, folks. If anything, that three-game losing streak should have taught you that wins in this league are not easy. And they are doing the job, and they're getting better. Me, I'm here for the ride. Let's see what these guys can do. Why should I project onto the end of the season when right now they're on a three-game winning streak? I'm going to sit back, I'm going to enjoy it, and I'm going to see how long they can keep this thing rolling. And I recommend you do the same. I recommend you do the same. Don't be that cynical fan. Don't be that guy or girl. Don't be that person. Enjoy this. Please enjoy it. But you know what? There were some players that played well, and there were players that did not play so well. And there are things that did well and things that did not go well. And we're going to talk about all that in the winners and losers segment of the show. Coming up after this break. See you I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Harbin, your host, senior editor behind the steelcurtain.com. You know what time it is. The day after a game, we're doing the winners and losers. And for me, I thought about this long and hard. And you know, like I said, I went trick-or-treating. I did not have my winners and losers column finished. I wanted to really look at the stats. I wanted to think about the game. And I wanted to say, okay, who are the winners? I came up with seven winners and three losers. Seven winners, three losers after the Steelers' 15-10 win over the Browns in Week 8. So let's get right to it. First winner, and this is in no particular order, I'm going to put Pat Fryermuth, rookie Pat Fryermuth, on this list. Why? Because I finally feel a little bit of vindication with Pat Fryermuth doing well 
and being a large part of the offense. And the reason being is that um, the dogs by nature, which is the Browns equivalent of behind the steel curtain.com for SB nation. Uh, they, they always do, you know, we always do five questions and all this stuff. And they say, who's a player that fans might not know much about that they should keep an eye out for. I've been saying Pat Fryermuth is an answer for this question for a long time, for a really long time. And then finally it comes to fruition Four receptions. Here's his stat line, four catches for 44 yards one touchdown, and my goodness, was that a beauty. What a touchdown. I mean, the, for that guy to have the, I guess, just the physical awareness of where he is and get that last foot, that, that left foot down while possessing the football, it kind of reminded me of Deontay Johnson in week one, to be honest with you. He had seven total targets. It was only 44 yards, but he was a, a big part of that offense early in the game. They targeted the middle of the field more than they have yet this season. A great game for Pat Fryermuth. Without Eric Ebron, folks got a glimpse of the tight end of the future, and I liked what I saw. Next winner is Ben Roethlisberger, Benjamin Todd, BTR as we call him. Listen to the stat line, 22 of 34, 266 yards, a 7.8-yard average, one touchdown, no interceptions, was sacked twice for a 98.4 rating. So 22 of 34 is not the most efficient day ever. But again, look at the attempts. 34. I've come to the conclusion that for me, the range that I want Roethlisberger to be in, barring injury, is 25 to 35. That's that area. If we can get Ben Roethlisberger in 25 to 35 target range for attempts, the Steelers are doing a good job of staying on schedule and sticking to the run, and they're in the game. They're not having to throw 45 times or 50 times to get back into a game or anything like that. This was a very efficient game, I felt, from Roethlisberger, even though, like I said, the attempts weren't eh, maybe as good as you would hope. But nonetheless, Roethlisberger was thrown into a pretty tough situation with no kicker. Uh, He changes everything. And you never think about it until it happens. And Roethlisberger, I thought he, not, let me just put it this way. If there's one pass that I thought typified Roethlisberger in that Big Ben moment, it was the final drive. The Steelers get the ball back. Turnover on downs. On 4th and 12, Baker Mayfield's pass intended for Landry Jones falls incomplete. And so Ben Roethlisberger and the offense take over. First down, Najee Harris rushed for maybe two yards. Second down, it looks like they're loading the box, and they're going to stop the run. Because why? The Steelers, they want to run the clock. They want to run the clock out. The, the, the Browns had all three of their timeouts, and they had used one after the first down play. Everyone in their mother and brother thinks that they're going to run the football. And Ben throws a dart to Deontay Johnson, who does takes, takes the football 50 yards down the field, icing the win. Yeah, they had to run some more plays, but you understand what I'm saying. That was a Ben Roethlisberger moment at a game where early in the game he was sort of erratic, not really on point. He was on point when it mattered, and that's what we want to see. Big Ben finds his way on the winner's list this week. Next, winner, Najee Harris. He could be on here every week, come to find out. you know, I know there's a lot of people that laughed at Jeremy Betts, our, our fantasy football guru behind the steel curtain who does the fantasy football podcast every Wednesday. And they, when he said that he would have Najee Harris, he would consider him a late first round pick. 
They laughed at him. I had people hitting me up on Twitter saying, where's this guy coming from? Like, what, what are you talking about? All I know is that Najee Harris now, for FanDuel, for those daily fantasy players like I am, he almost costs like $9,000 for a game. Now, if you don't know what that means, it's fine. You don't, you don't understand it. That, that's like elite-level fantasy production. He was right. Jeremy Betts was spot on, so I want to give him some credit there. But the stat line is 26 carries, 91 yards. He did have a rushing touchdown, a nice touchdown, and jump from the four-yard line in. He had three catches on three targets for 29 yards, another performance of over 100 total yards. Najee Harris is a complete back. He is doing everything probably better than I know I thought, and most people, I believe, He's a guy that is just becoming a workhorse. The biggest question a lot of people have right now is, are the Steelers using him too much? I don't think 26 carries, three receptions, that's only 29 touches. I don't feel like that's overworking him this game. Doesn't mean there haven't been games where I thought they might have. This was not one of them coming off the bye. I thought it was just a regular workload. And by the way, did people ever say, I said this on the uh, post-game podcast, when we were talking about his workload, I said, did anyone ever say like, oh, Jerome Bettis is sure having a heck of a game. We should probably rest him. Don't give Jerome the ball too much, guys. Hey, guys, don't feed the bus. No, don't you do that. Don't feed the bus. Give, let someone else go. Veron Haynes, get in there. You do your thing. No, then they never said that. You would say, feed the bus. Just keep it going. Najee Harris is getting into that type of rhythm with the offensive line, so feed him. He's getting jacked up. Let him run. Najee Harris, definite winner. Next, the rush defense. Listen to these numbers. They hold Nick Chubb, who was one of the most prolific running backs in the league, maybe not named Derrick Henry, to 16 carries, 61 yards. The Browns, as a total team, rushed for 96 total yards. 96 total yards as a team. This is a team that, mind you, as a team, they average 170 yards going into this week. 170 yards per game on the ground. They got held to under 100. I had said on a podcast, I'm not sure if it was the preview or if it was my let's ride, I can't remember. Keep them around 100, and I think the Steelers win. It's exactly what they did. It's exactly what they did. So for me, my goodness, the run defense, the tackling was great, the scheme was great, the front did a great job. We're talking about guys like Chris Wormley, Isaiah Bugs, Isaiah Loudermilk, just a tremendous job. Um, Henry Mondo, we know Cam Hayward is just a monster. I'm going to talk about him in a second, but the rush defense, my goodness, perfection. It was, it was great, great to see. The, last, the next winner, the running game for the Steelers offense. They finished with 32 carries, 115 yards, a 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, that's a great clip for them. I mean, it's, it's not huge. You went four over, four over, I get it, and they did have a touchdown. Coming into this, the Steelers, during their two-game winning streak, had averaged 133 yards rushing per game. That's pretty good average, and that 115 is going to keep them above 100 yards for it as a team, not just Najee Harris, but as a collective, uh, when they win the football game. So my goodness, they are trending in the right direction. But look at the carries, 32 carries. Now some of those carries, um, some of the carries, you know, Chase Claypool, he had uh, two carries. Ray Ray McLeod had a carry. Ben Roethlisberger had a carry. Kalen Balaj had a carry. But still, they're going to mix it up. That's that's going to be the Steelers. That's how they do it. 
But um, great job. They established the run. They stuck with it. This was one of the first times in a long time that I felt that the Steelers, you know, you think back to Seattle in week six, Sunday Night Football, they were running into heavy boxes, but I, I was proud that they kept on doing it. I was proud they kept on sticking with the run. But what I was upset with is that they were never getting any production. So, yes, you're, yes, you're running the ball, so you're going to bring the linebackers in. You're going to maybe bring a safety into the box. But ultimately, it's not effective. This game, they stuck with the run. The Browns loaded the box on occasion, and they still were effective. That's the difference. Running game, definitely on the winner's list. Next winner, Cam Hayward. His stat line, four total tackles, three solo, a half sack, and two quarterback hits. But Cam Hayward's stat line might look kind of mundane. It might look rather elementary, but you know what? He was a game wrecker, and we always called him Wreck-It early in his career. Wreck-It, like Wreck-It Ralph. That was the movie that was out, and he kind of looked like, I'm going to wreck it. That's kind of Cam Hayward's style. He did that. I don't know how many times he was pushing the offensive lineman in front of him back into the backfield, and it was disrupting the running game. So it's almost like the Steelers said, hey, Cam, if they're going to run your way, could you just take that blocker and literally just shove him back into Nick Chubb or Dearness, uh, whatever the guy's name, uh, Dearness Johnson. There it is. Bingo. Uh, nailed it. So still, Cam Hayward, a very great game. I say it all the time. He could be on this winner's list every single week, but this week especially, when they needed their superstars to show out, he did. And the final winner, I'm going to go with TJ Watt, Trent Jordan Watt. Stat line, six tackles, four solo tackles, one and a half sacks, one tackle for loss, three quarterback hits, and one fumble recovery. TJ Watt, there were people that said, is TJ going to be okay? Is TJ going to be able to play up to that contract? Uh, Yes and yes. TJ Watt is, by all means, He's playing out of his mind right now, people. I mean, playing out of his mind. It's one of those things where as a golfer, my dad used to always say this all the time when he was playing with my brother and myself. When we're playing really well, he'd say, hey, don't wake him up. He's unconscious right now. Just let him go. Don't wake him up. That's the way I feel TJ Watts playing, playing some great football. And not just as a, as a pass rusher either. I mean, his his ability to stop the run, to, tr- to track down the ball, on that fumble recovery, not to give up on the play. That play happened a ways down the field from the line of scrimmage, and he comes back and gets that football. So keep that in mind. T.J. Watt deserves to be on the winner's list. Let's go over those winners one more time before we head to the losers. Pat Fryermuth, Ben Roethlisberger, Najee Harris, the rush defense, the running game, Cam Hayward, and T.J. Watt. Let's go to the losers now. The fake field goal. Okay, so the fake field goal. I didn't like the call in and of itself, and I know that everyone's going to say, would you know if if it worked you wouldn't say that you're right if it worked i would be lauding their creativity which by the way maybe the offensive creativity could have been on the winners list i had requested that but still i digress the fake field goal what i didn't like about the fake field goal let me explain this i did not like on the fake field goal the play before fourth down so the steelers remember they had been penalized they got pushed back the steelers they ran a draw they ran a draw, and Najee Harris gained about 10 yards on that draw. And so that draw, to me, basically said, you know, we're going to settle for a field goal. No one expected that draw to get a first down. And so when they do this, it shortens the field. Nothing, just, just the whole sequence was bad. 
Now, the kicker with all this, pun intended, is that everyone wants to hate on Mike Tomlin and criticize him, and you have every right to do so. If Chris Boswell just throws that ball away, you can hate on Mike Tomlin all you want for the decision, but if Boswell doesn't get hurt, then it's not that big of a deal. So the injury to Boswell compounds the decision, and now you know Mike Tomlin's sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, why did I decide to do this? Now we have no kicker. It all worked out in the end. The hope is that the Steelers will get their kicker back for Monday Night Football. If not, they're going to have to bring someone else in because they don't have a kicker on their practice squad. So the fake field goal is going to be criticized for a long time. He was asked a lot about it after the game. When his press conference rolls around this week, he's going to be asked even more about it. Um, And that's something he's going to have to live with. That's a decision that you have to live with. So for Mike Tomlin, though, I wasn't a fan of the decision. I thought points would be at a premium. You kick the field goal. You take your 6-3 to lead. uh, You get the ball to start the third quarter. Nonetheless, I'm not trying to be a Monday morning quarterback guy. So seeing it both both ways. Next loser is the third down offense. I always look at third down offense. To me, it's just it's critical to success. And they fell below the bar. The bar for me is 500. And they were four for four for 13. That's just not it's just not going to cut it. They found a way to win, but their third down offense continues to be an issue. Lastly, the last loser is officiating. The stat line is the Steelers were flagged for eight penalties for 65 yards, but this was horrible from start to finish. Whether you want to talk about somehow flagging the nose guard, which I guess was Isaiah Bugs for a defensive holding on a run where that Bugs himself got held, whether you're talking about the non-call on Chris Boswell getting a helmet to his chin that concussed him, and also, by the way, that he was a if he's a quarterback, that hit was extremely late not being flagged, whether you're talking about Deontay Johnson seemingly getting interfered with repeatedly on certain out routes, not being called, or whether you're talking about the myriad of holding calls like Kendrick Green on the two-point conversion QB draw that Ben Roethlisberger ran that really had nothing to do with the play. Roethlisberger was already in the end zone. My goodness, it was awful, horrible from start to finish. You know, my father-in-law, he always says that the NFL is fixed. He always says that it's rigged, that it's already, hey, it's predetermined. It doesn't matter. And I always laugh at him. But there are moments, there are moments when I see the officials trying to inject themselves into the game and make them a storyline that makes me wonder. Sometimes I'm not saying that the fix is in and that I think the games are set up. But my gosh, there are times that make you wonder when these calls go completely unnoticed or they make these random off-the-wall calls that make you think, what in the world are these guys looking at? Because it certainly isn't the game that I'm looking at. Officiating is on the loser list. All right. What a win. What a game. Man, it feels good. Man, it feels good. Four and three, Pittsburgh Steelers win. You should be excited. Wear your colors, black and gold, all week with pride. And you don't have to hide anything. You can walk around. If you live in Ohio... Definitely wear it with pride, just like when I wear my clothes, my gear. When they beat the Ravens, you wear it with pride in the state of Maryland. You do the same if you live in Ohio. Remember, wherever you follow me, uh, on Twitter especially, at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. 
Check me out Tuesday. I'll be putting out the, the tweet for the mailbag segment. You always do a great job, my ride or die crew, with following through on that. So check me out there. Also, make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. And wherever you get your podcasts or Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. Steelers win, folks. They are 4-3 and three heading into that Monday nighter against Chicago. We'll be with you every step of the way. I'll be back on Wednesday. Make sure you check me out. In the meantime, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. That's right. Steelers win. Enjoy. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.